Brother Randy was honest enough to say he wasn't going to be here. But sometimes you have to listen to a higher power. And if you don't listen, I hate to say sometimes, he will kind of bend your arm behind your back and go, oh, so you don't think you go, well, I don't think so. And uh, just a, that's a lesson, that's an object lesson for me and maybe for others. But sometimes you can't go by how you feel, but you go by what the Lord tells you to do. Yes. Amen? And uh, I love, I've been loving looking at this book of James because he really deals with, as I've been saying all the way through, he deals with the practicality of our Christian faith. And today he's going to deal with some practical things and in the sense of what we talked about last week about the tongue. He talked about last week, you know, you know what James says? Uh, we can put bits in a horse's mouth to control them. We have rudders on ships that help steer the ships in the right direction. But oh my, the tongue. It may be small, but boy, can it wreck havoc. Our Christian walk can be seen in our conversation with God and also with our fellow man. Our conversation can be mastered, James will tell us, by depending on the Holy Spirit and seeking the wisdom of God. And beginning with verses 6 down through there, what we find out is he talks about the inconsistencies or the inconsistent tongue. He says, James tells us that the tongue is as a fire. There in verse 6, he just finished talking about the fire in verse 5. He says there in verse 8, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. Guess what? It stains the whole body and sets, on, sets the course of life on fire and is, itself, and is itself set on fire by hell. He lets us know that this little member in our mouth, that little thing called the tongue, man, can it do some great damage. And maybe you've been damaged by words that people have spoken to you or something somebody has said. Uh, I think of, every time I think about that, I think what my brother uh, David has said, once the bell is rung, it's awful hard to unring it. Once you say some things or words come out of our mouths, uh, sometimes you may want to take that back, but it's a thing. Once somebody hears that and it's in their mind and sometimes it gets into their soul, it can create great damage. The self-image of a lot of people have been damaged by words that somebody has spoken. People feel, a lot of people today feel less of themselves. They're not worthy. They feel they're comparing themselves to other people. All those type of things comes from the fact that sometimes people innocently and sometimes even on purpose say things that will cause people great harm and, and damage in their life. So tongue, it's a fire. You've seen fire. You know what fire can do. You look out west right now, there's blazes of fire going on to the point that thousands and thousands of acres of land are burnt black because of what the fire has done. What's it? And if you ever watch the news, I, I saw this the other day, I, be, I, I get amazed at how high those flames can come and how high and how hot and people's total lives, their houses, their, their homes, their, their property, everything that was standing in the wake of the fire, is totally destroyed. That's the comparison Jane says to us, is what that little member in our mouth called the tongue can do. It can scorch the earth. It can scorch the minds and hearts of men and women, boys and girls. 
But he also says some other things here. He says it's not only a fire, but he lets us know that it stains the whole body. And then he brings out the, the fact that, listen, you know what? Why is it that way? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Let me give you some comparisons. We contain and control, to some extent, various kinds of animals. James tells us that the tongue, though, is the one thing that no one of us can really control. And he's going to give us the remedy for, for that at the end of this chapter. He talks about there. He says, now, wait a minute. Let, let, me, under, let me help us out here. It's a world of fire. The world of unrighteousness is placed among our members. It stains the whole body. He says there it stains the body. It's set on fire in itself set, and it is itself set on fire by hell. Now, saints, he's writing to some local people who were Christians. Every kind of animal. I get this. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We can train Flipper to do a lot of tricks. We can train Shep, one of the largest mammals in the ocean, to do great things. I was, at, I was fortunate enough to go to SeaWorld and Shamu come up and go down and then do all these things. And he came up and blew out his little porthole there, water on everybody. They had birds there. A bird flew right over, almost landed on me. I was like, oh, God, please, no. He came through. The, the girl was in the middle with this bird, and he flew up, and he landed right behind me. And I was like, why did I sit here? Because I'm not a big bird fan. But, hey, we can do that, James. Now, if we can do that, if we can tame reptiles and, and all these various other types of animals. But he says no one can tame the tongue. And you've heard the expression, I'm going to bite my tongue. You know, if I say something that I, not, that I shouldn't say, how many have ever bitten their tongue? I have. It's not a pleasurable thing. And I didn't do it on purpose because I was getting ready to say something. I might have been chewing something or getting ready to do, say something, and I was like, ah, and oh my God, the pain. But if we can tame these animals, why can we not tame our tongue? James says, no one can tame the tongue. Why? It is as restless evil. Got that? It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I guess if you really look at this chapter, what you see is James is really telling us that we as individuals and we as saints and even as uh, saints or unbelievers, we have a hard time controlling our tongue. That's something we need to ask, and he's going to tell us the remedy for this at the very end of the chapter. But the remedy is we've got to know God and see God in his wisdom. But he says, man, when I look at, and he's looking at a specific group of people and some of the things that were going on in that particular church and those particular, that particular group of people, he says, we got a tongue problem. And you heard me say a few weeks ago, one of my expressions is loose lips sink ships which means that sometimes we say things we ought not to say, things that we, we need to keep right here, right here, right here. We go off and we innocently and sometimes maybe even purposely say things that sometimes causes us uh, some pain down the road. If I look over the course of my life, I would have to say that part of me would say that, yes, I have said things that I probably should not have said. In fact, I know I've said things I should not have said. Or if I did say something, it was taken out of context, and I didn't really think about 
how it would be received by those who had heard it. That's why James tells us the tongue is as a deadly poison. You know about poison? Something that if you ingest or take, if you don't have the right remedy, you can find yourself in some serious trouble. But he also says, listen, we can tame it. We, can, we, can't, we cannot tame it. We cannot control it. He says, now, let's look at what's really happening. He says, how is it that the tongue, this world of unrighteousness that's in our body, that sets on course the fire of hell, he says, how is it that same member that we can train all these various animals, but we can't control our tongue? And yet, he gives us this analogy. He says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in God's image. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is the center of my joy, of all the things that we say on a given Sunday or a given uh, service or a given day or a given week. And yet that same tongue that blesses God is the same tongue that curses men. And notice what he says. It curses men who are made in the image of God. It ought not to be. It shouldn't even be there. He says, with the tongue we bless the Lord, Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's life. Blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth. My brothers, brothers, sisters, it ought not be. It should be. That, that's inconsistent. To say we believe and we serve and we love a great God, and out of that one mouth comes praises and hallelujahs to God, but also at any other given moment, out of that same mouth comes cursings and bless, cursings and downing of other people who are made in the image of God. So if you say something against somebody else, you're really saying it against God. Why? Because they're image bearers of Christ, image bearers of God. Every single person on this earth has value and worth, and we ought not to be putting one another down, and we ought not to be saying things negative about one another. We ought to be lifting up one another and encouraging one another, not tearing down. There's enough tearing, listen, there's enough tearing down of us on the outside, which is what James is really saying. Why is it going on on the inside of the very place that we say is the house of God? We are supposed to be family. I get it sometimes the family, people from family say, well, you know what, if I could, uh, I'm family, I could say some things nobody else can say. But even at that, you got to be careful with what you say and how you say it. He says, it ought, not to be, it ought not to exist in the very house of God with the people of God that we can come on a Sunday morning and praise God and Jesus is the center of my joy and all the other things that we sing about and then turn around by 12 o'clock and end up talking about somebody in a negative way or putting somebody down or saying things that does not uplift. It ought not to exist because guess what? When you talk about somebody else, you know what? Somebody's also talking about you. Oh, don't think that you're liked and loved so greatly that nobody ever says anything about you. I guarantee you somebody somewhere that's involved in your life will say to somebody else, they may not come to you. They may come to you, but they probably won't. Oh, she thinks she's somebody. 
He thinks he's it. They think they're this. He, they, he thinks he's that. And sooner or later, somebody says, you know what? Your friend told me the other day about you. And you go, what? They said, what? But James says, it ought not to be. And I agree with him that blessings and cursings, they come out of the same mouth. My brother says, these things ought not to be. Then he says this. Now, let me ask you a question. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Typically, no, is the answer. If you go to the water fountain, you're expecting clear, fresh water. You're not expecting salt water to come out of the water fountain we have over here. Even the bottled water that you get, you're expecting it to taste clean and refreshing. James says, out of that same opening, can fresh water and salt water come out of it? The answer is no. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Oh, here's another comparison. Can a fig tree produce olives? The answer is no. If you go to a pear tree, what do you expect? Pears. You go to an apple tree, what do you expect to be on the tree? Apples. He says, so can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters? And yet another example, grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. In other words, what he's saying is, we as believers, his analogy is all these different things that get us right back to you and I as believers. Can they do? The answer is no, no, no. So then why is it that out of our mouth, out of the mouth of those of us who say we know God, out of the mouth of those of us who say we are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, that Jesus is the answer, that God is the source of my life, and all those things, how is it that out of that same mouth, out of that tongue, come cursings and blessings? He said, it ought not be. It's a... It, 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 it's a Dichotomy, it's an oxymoron. You cannot, with the same mouth, bless God. You, those things ought not to exist. And he gives us the remedy for this in the last few verses. He says, now, I want to ask any of us, this is a question for any of us, who among us that are here today, who among you is wise and understanding, but by his good conduct he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom? None of us is full of wisdom and understanding. But we can get some of it because we have access to the very source that will help us. In other words, if you're going to exhibit wisdom and understanding, you're going to be known by that, James says, by the works that you do. Amen. Your actions will speak, like we like to say, your actions will speak what? Louder than words. I say, and I'm going to give us 12 words that we need to put in our vocabulary at the end of this. He says, by his or her good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness and comes from wisdom. In other words, sometimes we need to take a pause 
and yes, not speak out of the immediacy of the situation. Perhaps being quiet for a moment, or saying, you know what, let me think about this before I speak to it, is a part of wisdom. Because if you speak out of it, out of frustration or at the, for the moment, you may not say what you really should say, and you may say it in a way that is not honoring and glorifying to God. Take a moment and say, Lord, give to me the right words. Give to me the wisdom and the understanding so that what I'm about to say will be beneficial and not harmful. He says, but if any of you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Because if you have those things, you're denying the very truth that you're saying that you're supposed to be a part of. Such wisdom does not come from above. In other words, if you have those things in your life, know that this is the result. It's not from above. It's not from God, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Some of your translation says sensual. The better word for that is unspiritual. Essential. Anytime we hear the word essential, we think sex. It's not talking about that. It's talking about unspirituality. You're not mature. You're not, you're being not spiritual when you talk out of envy and boasting and all those other things. Such wisdom does not come from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Doesn't mean you're demon possessed, but you can be, you and I can be influenced by Satan. He can't possess us. He can't take control of us, but he can't influence us. I'm a witness. He's influenced me sometimes. Now, maybe not you. I know you are super saints, and you've never had a devil come to you and cause you to say or do anything. God, praise be to God. But I'm just telling you, we can't be possessed by the devil. Oh, we're influenced by him. You ever have a bad thought? You ever, have, you ever be going about life, and all of a sudden a thought comes in your mind, and you just go, where did that thought come from? That is totally from the pit of hell. I mean, it's like, I mean, the other day I was like, oh my, this is not a good thought. Lord Jesus, forgive me and get, get behind me, Satan. I mean, th- th- I mean, have anybody ever had that happen? I, I, I have. I'll, be, I'll confess. I know I have. Some words come out of our mouth that aren't pleasing in God's sight. I know. Some of us never have had no. But David said, never. <laughs> He's a good man. But he says, listen, those things, those, if that's bare in the end, selfish ambition, if you and I had said, you know what, Lord, whatever course my life is, I know you have said it. You don't have to try to promote yourself to get to where you want to be. Allow the Lord to give it to you. And if he gives it to you, it'll be right. And also, it'll be above and beyond what you could even think be like, wow, I never thought I would be here. Well, you know, why, you know why you're where you thought you wouldn't, shouldn't be? It's because God put you there. You took less of yourself and thought more of him. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, now get this. Here's what James is telling us. Where there is, and I hope that's not part of who we are, where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. Man, you know why some, in some places, in some of our lives, in some of our families and stuff, disorder and everything is going on? It's because we have those bad tendencies. We have envy, we have selfish ambition, 
this order is following us because of where our mindset is. It's not on God. It's not spiritual. It's unspiritual. We're allowing the devil to come into our minds and in the minds of our families, in the minds of our kids, in the minds of our husbands and wives and everybody else we come in contact with because our mind's not right. And he's going to tell us at the very end of it, listen. Listen to what he says. But the wisdom from above is first what? Pure. God's wisdom, God's understanding is pure. It's better than ivory soap. Ivory soap says it's 99% pure. It's not 100, but it's 99. 99 is nice. But God says if we do it right, we can be pure before him. Wisdom from above. Wisdom that's given to us from God is pure. Not only that, it's peace-loving. We're seeking peace. Not strife. We're not trying to get people mad and upset. We're trying to keep people on an even keel. Said, hey, we want you to be at peace with each other, but also peace with God. Peace loving, gentle. Sometimes we can, that's not, you know, that's not the right way. Sometimes a gentle word can do more. Than, than just being hard and, and being so mean and so nasty. Being peace-loving, gentle, compliant. Yeah, just try to, in the, in, the, in the words of Rodney King sometimes, just we need to be striving to get along with one another. Amen. We might disagree, we might differ on some points, but in the overall scheme of life, in the overall scheme of what we're doing, we're trying to get along. We're trying to say, hey, I might disagree. That, that's a problem with our country right now. We are so much into our own ideologies and our own thoughts, and this is what I believe, and this is what I think I know, that any other body, anybody else that does not come within our sphere of, or our circle of what we think and doesn't think like we think, we think they're of no good. Oh, no, you're wrong. And therefore, because you're wrong, because you don't think like I think, because you don't believe like I believe, because you don't always say what I want you to say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. But James says, we have wisdom from above. It's pure, it's peace-loving, it's gentle, it's compliant. It's full of mercy. Give to others the same mercy that you expect God to give to you. Don't rain, don't pray rain down fire on somebody else. You you don't want God to rain down fire on you. You don't want God to come in and just step on you. Why are you because they did something against you or against somebody in your family or say, don't say, Lord, get them, God. I want you. No, 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 no. That's not what God wants from us. That's not saying we serve a great God. People do wrong to us all the time, and will do wrong to us. But God has promised me and has promised you that he will take care of us. And if you want vengeance, just say, Lord, you take care of them. Because guess what? Whatever God does to somebody that you think needs to be dealt with, the way God deals with them will be way worse for them than for you to deal with them, because God knows exactly what they need. 
Don't pray that. He says, be full of mercy. When I look at how those of us who are older were brought up, and then I come to the different generations that are in our culture, in our world today, the shift from where we were to where they have come up is the world is a different place. Television, space travel, all those things was back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. We were just on the crest of getting these things started. We were just on the crest of a lot of ideologies that have been promoted by various groups for a lot of different reasons. Some of it was legit, but it's now taken hold to the point that it's just gone crazy. So when we talk about like, my own personal life, and even the life of my kids, I was fortunate. But when I look at the lives of those who are younger and maybe even the same age, but they did not come exactly, grew up exactly like I said, I have to have mercy because why? They did not experience the same things I experienced. I was blessed. I had the same father and the same mother the same brothers and sisters. I, I, I came up with a mother that was home. I came up with a mother who was volunteering at school and doing all these various things and all that. That's, that's, that's how I came up. So for me, that was normal. But for a lot of people, that, was, that is not the norm. And mercy is, they come at life from a different angle than I do. Not that one is better than the other. We just think we, I, I can remember, and, I, and I've been accused of this ever since I've been in Wilmington. Uh, you, you think you're better than everybody else. I had a girl one day, I was at the, the car place down there at the bottom of, uh, what's that, Clark Street? Guy was putting on a windshield wiper or something, and a girl in the community walked by. And before I could even say, I knew who she was. Before I could say hi, she said, I knew you were going to speak. You think you are somebody. And the guy that was putting on my windshield, I said, do you know, that, you know who that is? I said, yeah, I know who that is. He said, man, she just blasted you out, didn't she? I said, yeah, she, that's how she thinks. But she's not alone. Because I, was not, I came up in a house where my mother told us a couple things. Some of you might identify with this. We had a street light on the street that come on at 7 o'clock. Now, summertime, I keep trying to tell my mother, it gets dark around 8.30, 9.00, She thinks it's still, you know, getting, I said, Mom, it's going to be light. Don't worry. You're going to be fine. But we had to be home. Our pity pat of little McGee feet had to be home at the house when that light came home, came on. If not, we got in trouble. And on many nights, we took baths and everything else, and I thought it was the worst thing ever. I'm looking out in this bright sunlight like right now, and I'm thinking, my friends are outside playing, enjoying the summer, and I had to take a shower or a bath and put on my pajamas. We weren't allowed to play with everybody. We were told to be nice to everybody. And it wasn't because we thought we were better. My mom said, oh, no, you can't just run with anybody and everybody. Uh-uh, it ain't happening. You know, I just tease my kids and my, my family. I have no house. It was Sheila's house, Tyler, Josh, and Sydney's house. And kids, when they were growing up, they were first, hey, Tyler, can we come to your house? Well, Tyler doesn't have a house. 
Sydney doesn't have a house. You know, it's our house. Tyler, can I come over to your house tonight? I thought, wait a minute, you don't be making deals with anybody until you talk to me. I'll talk to your mother. That's how they came. That's how I came up. That's how we came up. You know, all of a sudden you got somebody in your house. You go, what? who is this? We had a person come to our house. The mother, listen, I would not take my kids just to any place and every place. Oh, no, that ain't happening. And we had a friend, of one of the kids, I don't know who it was. The mother didn't know me from Adam or Sheila. Didn't know us. The kid came, the kid was, was invited over. The mother didn't come. I would at least go in the house and say, hi, Mr. McGee, how are you? I'm, you know, get to know the, try to get to know the person, but I didn't know him. Oh, no, she just pulled up, dropped the kid off, and took off. Kindergarten. Kindergarten. What I'm saying is, we came up differently. I never have thought I was better than anybody else. A lot of people that I know are the guys that I, that I talk when I walk down the street, walk, all, all the guys that are on the street, they all know me. They all, they are, buyer, guess what? Buyer this. And, buyer, and I go, oh, yeah. And they've told me something. I said, you know what? I, I don't really want to talk about that. They buyer, buyer. Now, if something happens to me, this is what I want. I'm like, you know what? Before something happens to you, I want you to come to the house of God. <laughs> you know, buyer, we want, if I die, I want you to do my funeral. I go, well... Okay, I understand that's what you want, but before we get there, can you at least once? That's what I ask them. I'll, give it, I'll say this, and I probably shouldn't say it. I've been on Doc Norman. Doc, you come to funerals, you come to all, but you've never, I said, just one time on a Sunday morning. Just once. That's all I'm asking. We come up in different ways. Mercy. I understand where they're at. I, but Extend mercy and grace to those who are sometimes different in how they were brought up and how the experiences in their life so that we don't think we're better than somebody else because you know what? In God's eyes, we're all the same. God looks at us all as sinners. There's no degree of sin. There's no, this sin is bigger than that. No, sin is sin. I don't care what you're doing. God didn't say, well, this is first-degree sin, but this is second-degree sin. No, God said it's all wrong. If you offend in one, you've done blown it in all. God's consistent. God's like, oh, commit adultery? Oh, that's, yeah. Maybe your lifestyle, your gay life. That, hey, there's no big sin and little sin in God's economy. Sin is, now in our economy, it might be. We look, at, we look at things and go, well, if you do that, man, that's, that's, a, that's a capital offense. Well, God doesn't say that. God said it's all wrong. Amen. That's why if we have, and this is what James is going to tell us, he says, full of mercy and good fruits. Because if we extend mercy, people will understand, and our, our fruit will be people are more willing to trust us and listen to us and talk to us. Unwavering, without pretense. I, I shouldn't approach, approach somebody under the pretense that if I get them to be nice to me, they'll, they'll give me something back in return. Just be nice. In other words, just do the right thing. Because here's what James says. The fruit of all this, the byproduct of doing the right thing, of all these things, of pure and peace-loving and gentle and compliant and all that, the right thing is this. And the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of doing the right thing is this. Is sown in peace. It's put together. It's 
made to be unified together. The fruit of righteousness, doing the right thing, seeking the right thing. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those, and here it is, who cultivate peace. To cultivate means you got to work at it. You got to put it together. Cultivate peace. In other words, here it is. If you and I are able to cultivate peace in our life, then we're able to cultivate peace in somebody else's life. The fruit of all that is people say he's a genuine person. She's a genuine person. There's no pretense. They don't claim to be perfect. They don't claim to have it all together. But they are a person that when I look at them, oh, they say they're a Christian. Well, it's based by, you know, you know how people do us out in the street. If that is what being a Christian is, then I don't want to be one. Well, look, I have never claimed to be perfect. I am not perfect and never will be on this side. But I serve a great God who's working on me. I am still under construction. And I, I'm sorry. I apologize. If you think I should be perfect in every single way, it ain't going to happen. You're going to have to learn to accept me for my faults and all the other cracks and, and, and whatever holes that are in my life, as well as I have to accept you for all the cracks and holes in your life. And together, what we do is we say, God, work on us to be unified in the faith. Help us to learn that words have consequences. Twelve words. I want to close on this. Twelve words that can, that can transform your life. Are you ready? Ready? First, three words. Please and thank you. <laughs> Please and thank you. Says, man, wait a minute, you said 12 words are going to transform my life. That will transform your life to be able to say please and thank you. Amen? Amen. The next couple words. Here it comes. You ready? Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, my God. For some of us, that's a hard thing to swallow. I'm sorry. What are you sorry? I'm sorry for what I said. I I really apologize. I said it in anger. I said it, I'm sorry that I didn't, whatever. I'm sorry. Please and thank you. I'm sorry. Now, here's a big one. I love you. Oh, my. I love you. Be very careful when you say those words. Please. And thank you. I'm sorry. I love you. And the last words are, I'm praying for you. Simple words that we say all the time. But they can transform and change a person's whole life. To say please and thank you. One of, my, one of my things that I do, I've been doing it, I don't know, forever. But when I used to work at UPS, and I still do it today, when I'm at the store or something, and somebody younger than me, uh, you know, they do something, I'm in a store, I say, well, thank you, sir. 
And they look at me like, sir. Sir. Thank you, ma'am. Ma'am, I'm not that old. Well, you have to be old. Sir. Ma'am. The smallest but the largest troublemaker is the tongue. But it does not have to be. Let our tongue be used by the Lord to lead others to the way of life and to encourage them in the trials of life. I think I'll say that again. Let our tongue be used by the Lord to lead others to the way of life and to encourage them in the trials of life. Amen. My closing is this. Give God your tongue and heart each day and ask him to use you to bless others. Amen. James tells us tongue may be small. It can bless or it can curse. But may God help us to use our tongues to bless.